Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, um, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And this week we're back on our bullshit. Yes, we are. We are talking about the two usuals, Wrong Turn and Giallo. Then we're also talking about some international gems and an anthology film. Yes, we are. So, back at it. Yeah. It's been good to get back to it after taking, like, it's so weird to think that Sundance was only last week but it was only last week <laughs> <laughs> fuck and somehow i've managed to watch even more movies so i know i don't know for crazy or for cool probably both yeah i don't think those are mutually exclusive no they're not mutually exclusive <laughs> i don't think i know someone was like i think i was talking to steve's family and they were like oh yeah you must be so burnt out from movies i'm like i've watched like four this week already like, what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you i'm like i just love watching movies i can't help it also it's my job kind of ish i know it's it's so weird because like we we leave sundance we both watched you know around 20 ish films and it's 
you're like, okay, I'm going to take a break. But then, nope, we're right back in the thick of things. I mean, not watching 20 films in the course of two days, but still like. No. <laughs> like watching stuff for the podcast, reviewing stuff. Obviously, we love doing it. Like it's it's yeah. hard and it's exhausting, but like obviously we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't love it. Absolutely. I can't quit. And that's why I also watch 90 Day Fiance before the 98 days as a break because it is <laughs> glorious garbage. <laughs> I have never got but, into any of those types of. Uh, oh, God, they're terrible. These are, yeah. Okay. So I'll tell you what I've been watching this week. I'll tell you this small nugget and then I'll tell you the actually good shit I've been watching. There you go. 90 Day Fiance. It's a terrible reality show. You're not missing anything, but it's just something about the mindless brainlessness of it and like the stupid drama that is just like the garbage I crave. It's like junk food when I've had a long day. <laughs> hey. It's great. But in regards to what I've watched that I've really enjoyed. So <laughs> right after Sundance, I cover I I covered the Final Girls Berlin Film Festival. You're just a mad woman. I I know. And it's a pretty it's a pretty small festival every year that is all about female directed horror. Female oh, non-binary yes. directed horror. And so it's pretty small. There is about there was five features this year and a bunch of short programs, which is great. And the two films that I watched as part of that were The Returned, which is an Argentinian horror film, mm. and Time of Molting, which is I believe which is German. So the returned is a it is a Latin American no not Latin South American period piece that takes place in the nineteen in nineteen nineteen that deals with colonialism and the exploitation of indigenous people for by colonizers. So light stuff, and it's a possession movie. Oh. It is so good. It is beautiful. So Laura Casabe directed it. She's Argentinian. And it's it's about a woman, a wealthy woman who is desperate to have a son. To, so she has an heir for her husband to leave the land, like their giant plantation. They are, have a plantation from uh, Yerba Mate, which is a type of like, tea leaf. Mm -hmm. And they're also building – she's having nightmares. So they're building fences to keep the indigenous tribes out. But they also employ the indigenous tribe. So it's very weird and hypocritical. Oh, is this the one with the miscarriage? Yes. She has the miscarriage and like wants to bring the baby back. And it goes poorly for everybody. Right. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's so lush and beautiful. The, the fucking score is one of the best scores I've ever heard in a movie with this like super unnerving string, but like very shriek, like string Ooh. compositions. And then really, it's like very like, very like simple notes, but played in such a chaotic, creepy way. And so that was amazing. Like I'm, so, I've seen it. It's been at a couple of festivals and I wasn't able to catch yeah, it. Yeah, I think it so. was at Fantasia. It was. All of the things that Final Girls Berlin were having at other festivals, but it was really nice to catch up on a couple that I really wanted to see. Mm -hmm. And the other one I saw was called Time of Molting, which I really, it's one of those movies that I finished it and I was like, what the hell? Like, that was weird. And then I keep thinking about it and I really oh. like it, but it's very, it's like super like art filmy. So it's not going to be for everybody, but it's about, a young girl who has a really dysfunctional family and it's about her growing up with that dysfunctional family and it's told through 57 images. So it's basically 57 static shots that oh. act as snapshots of this girl's life as she grows up. And it gets under your skin in a way that I had I, – I thought about afterward and was lying in bed after watching it because I watched it at like 2 in the morning and I was laying in bed and being like, that's actually really creepy. Like you have to fill in a lot of blanks yourself. But the way that the director – 
constructs this story about how a family can turn you into something kind of scary mm. is re- was actually very, very well done. The director's name is Sabrina Mertens, and that also blew me away. I mean, it, that one's going to be more divisive in terms of it's like very it's like a stylistic way of telling the story, but absolutely loved it. So those two films knocked my socks off. So I'm glad, I, you know, crazy, but I'm so glad I got to watch those two <laughs> films and I guess to write about them and hopefully they get picked up because the return is like shutter material 100 percent mm. like that is a shutter it's like it's not as good as la llorona which hell yeah that got not it's on the shortlist for academy awards for best foreign film but it's very similar in that vein of like really good thoughtful political horror that are is from a place that we don't usually get those horror movies from cool i meant to catch those at I think both of them were at Fantasia Mm -hmm. and I really meant to go see them, but I just, I didn't have time. So I'm really glad to hear that they're good because they've been kind of in the back of my mind and I definitely need to check out the return. Oh, it sounds really good. It's so beautiful. So what have you been watching? Um, So I am just bringing one movie to the table today, aside from our, our typical stuff. One area that I'm, I'm sorely lacking on is a lot of um, sort of the earlier, entries in in black cinema Mm, okay so you know also because this is black history month i wanted to start to like dive a little bit into some of the movies that um for whatever reason i've i've missed luckily there is a website uh called graveyard or graveyard shift sisters uh run by ashley Mm -hmm. and ashley blackwell who was also one of the producers of the horror noir um, documentary that came out a couple years ago. And she actually has on her site a syllabus for horror noir to like for further um, reading, further f- watching everything. Here's, here's a list. And so I'm using that as sort of like a guide to dig into some movies that I've, I've missed. And one of them that um, I missed because it came out in the nineties when I wasn't really watching horror movies anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that, you know, that kind of 1995 time period was tales from the hood which is a anthology film that tackles sort of um, African-American community issues in the nineties and that unfortunately continue to today. So it tackles police corruption. It tackles domestic abuse. It tackles institutional racism and it tackles gang violence. Each of those are, are tackled in a anthology short film that is all centered around these bodies that are at this funeral home run by one of the most amazing, <laughs> most amazing funeral directors. Uh, the character's name is Mr. Sims, played by Clarence William the Third. Clarence Williams the Third, mm-hmm. and he imbues his character with such zany energy that he's. He's in that same tradition of the the horror host for anthology films that we've come to expect. Even we saw it this last year with uh, Oh Clancy Brown. Yes, with Clancy Brown and uh, the Mortuary Collection, where it's this kind of amazing performance that grounds these stories. The the sort of like wraparound story is that there is um, three gang members that are coming to pick up uh, drugs that he has that Mister Sims has invariably found somehow, mm. and. He is leading them to the stash of drugs through the entire film and showing them bodies of people and telling their stories. And so the first one is about like this, this politician, this black politician who 
is targeted by cops because he's trying to expose the corruption among cops, cops and they kill him and his kind of beyond the grave vengeance. Another one, the, the one that really hit home for me is the second one about this kid who is showing up to school with bruises on his arm. And he says ever since his dad died, this monster, his dad, I think left, maybe this monster has, has come up to this house and has been tormenting him. And it sort of goes from there. The third story is about a, a KKK member that is running for as a politician and he is picked up. Is, he is living in a former plantation house. So it's like these stories that are still sadly so relevant today. I mean, the politician one in particular, I'm like, good God. We're still dealing with with this kind of repercussions over 20 years later, 25 years, 26 years later. And it's yeah, it's not what I expected because I, I kind of thought in some ways it, it's presented as a, as a horror comedy. And I didn't find really anything about it particularly funny except the the energy that Clarence uh, brings to his character. Uh, but it was a really, really fascinating anthology i think it's a really good anthology and uh some of the effects uh, the 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 um, chioto brother studio does some of the puppetry in one of this in one of the short sequences oh. and it's uh it's it's really good and so i'm i really recommend you check it out i had bought the i think yes. i think uh shout factory put out like a collector's edition i bought it when it first came out. So I finally was happy to bring, break that open and finally dig into it. Sweet. I need to watch that. So I just added it to my watch list. So I remember, cause that's something I've been really wanting to watch. And if anyone wants a primer on what to watch during black history month, or not even just during black history month, but to honor black directors and actors, uh, watch horror noir on shutter to get yes. kind of a, a primer. Cause there's some amazing stuff. There really is. And I'll include the link to this horror syllabus. There's a lot of really good, um, movies on here that, um, I'm going to, I think I'm, I think I'm next one. I'm either going to watch Blackula or Ganja and Hess. Ganja and Hess is so good. It's like, it's so very it? weird. Yes. It's so good. It's yeah. Very good. So I, I think maybe that might be the next one um, I'll watch, but I will include this cool. uh, this education guide in the in the show notes so you guys can go check it out because uh, the stuff that Ashley has done with Graveyard Shift Sisters is is fantastic, and I it's incredible. Yeah, and I love there's this little guide that has like short films, it has some fiction, it has web series, it has podcasts, like it has a lot of stuff that you can dig into and mm -hmm. educate yourself more. So. Exactly. But that's the only thing um, I brought today uh, before we cool. turn into <laughs> the wrong, <laughs> turn into the wrong, <laughs> turn into the wrongs, which is a line about taking a wrong turn that is said in this movie. And I'm like, oh, there's the title. <laughs> I know. I yelled, there's the title. She said it. It's that Leonardo DiCaprio pointing meme. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So wrong turn five. Bloodlines, Mary Beth. Dis disgrace. Disgrace. Yeah, what the fuck did we just watch? Despicable. It Okay, it is not good in any sense. Like, all of the actors, most of them are Bulgarian, and they, try, they do their damnedest, but their accents come through. I get it. Look, it's fine. You're trying your hardest. D Doug Bradley? What, is that his name? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Doug Bradley, pinhead. <laughs> Plays a character in this movie <laughs> who is repulsive, but also, like, he he's the only one that knows what he's doing, but also he's, like, not really trying that hard no. at all. And 
All of the blood is CGI blood. Yep. It takes place at a music festival and you never once see the music festival. Nope. And the end is disgusting. It's like the meanest movie in like a way that's not earned. In a way that's just like, you're just trying to be a dick. Yep. The ending is awful. I was so mad. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Okay. It has some gnarly moments there are some it really does have some very gnarly moments some really gnarly bits of violence in it uh but somehow a movie about a music fest and about prison imprisoned serial killer and about a bunch of dumb white kids having sex is somehow boring like this movie is so boring. It's so boring. It, the only exciting parts are the kills, right? Which I will say that the standout moment and the moment that like I was like I cannot believe this is happening right now is this poor dumb Gus is one of the main characters. And okay, I say poor dumb Gus, but then he uses the R word, and at this point I'm like, eh, we gotta go. <laughs> I but, literally wrote in my notes like, oh yes, a good R slur drop. Love it. Right. Great. Because up until that moin- point, I was like, oh, I'm kind of, you know, rooting for this this guy who's like trying to, you know, settle down with this girlfriend who wants to like go and explore the world. And so I, I felt that relationship a little bit in that one scene. <laughs> And then he turns around and drops that R word. And I'm like, "Uh, all bets are off. You (laughs) are no longer a good person. And the sequence that follows it, he is in a truck and his legs are tied up and they are taking sledgehammers to his legs in a scene that takes like misery on steroids, I would say. (laughs) Yes. But, but... The thing that killed me, and I don't know if you if you noticed it, Mary Beth, is that what is playing while this is happening is a slow, demented version of I've Been Working on the Railroad. Yes! Thank you! I wrote that note. I was like, are they fucking playing I've Been Working on the Railroad as they hammer his legs into dust? I'm like, fucked up. What the absolute fuck is going on in this scene but that cho- like see that's a funny choice like, yes. if that fi- if that film had that energy the whole time it would have been so good because there were parts where i was like okay okay like there's a scene where a girl gets killed and three fingers feeds her her own intestines which is fucking awful yeah. it was so gross but i was like okay okay this shit's fucked up i'm down i'm down but it's so boring it doesn't have goofy energy it's it's funny because it's bad but it's not funny on purpose which is it was funny. It's funny on purpose of that music choice, but like that's not the whole time. And it's just like unnecessarily cruel to the final girl. Oh, like, oh, it's just it's repulsive at the end. And she's barely even a final girl. Like, I have a lot of things, just not a lot of things, but like she's she's a final girl in the sense that she survives. But anyway, and then also I don't understand how Doug Bradley is in charge of he's now in charge of this of the three brothers and it's like none of it makes sense. No. It's just it's just horrible. And the ending is hor is horrific. Like I just can't. So And I you know, I think I think it's saying something that uh I posted this on 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 Twitter, a picture of the parents guide, um a section from this movie. But it seems like everyone that is writing about this movie on IMDb because it can be user submitted stuff is obsessed with 
with Linda and breasts. Linda is a character that's introduced for one scene to have sex with the cop to distract him so that he doesn't get a phone call from the other cop, I believe is the only point of this scene. But if you go into the trivia on IMDb, one of the trivia points is Linda has the largest breasts of all the female protagonists measuring a full D size. Like this is one of the I, trivia of this movie. That that moment is so stupid. Like I barely understood why it was there. It's just it's like an excuse for her for them to have titties on screen. Yeah. It opens with titties too. Yes. So, yeah, this movie sucks. It's not good. It's not good. Like at all. I'm really glad that it is the second to last film in this, because if this had been an earlier one, I probably would have. We would have tapped out. Put it. I'm like, I can't. An end to this. <laughs> Bad. Not um, good. Nope. So anyway. <laughs> obviously, in our rankings, this changes everything because it's our first movie, right? Obviously, <laughs> this yeah, is my this favorite. Takes over. <laughs> so good. No, this, this is, is like two so far for both of us is our our lowest, and this one is like. Sitting across the Atlantic in Bulgaria, staring at Appalachia. It's just how the, it's so far bad. away this one is for me. It's at just least. it's just so bad. Yeah, exactly. Wow. But to take a right turn from yeah, this to wrong take a, turn, a more positive. <laughs> let's go to the zoo and go stare at that bird with the crystal plumage. Oh my god, she's beautiful. She is. <laughs> 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 Put that the, on the poster. We're done. She's beautiful. She's serving <laughs> eleganza. Plumage eleganza. Oh my god. Can, wait, oh wait. Oh, can you, are you going to say the same thing I was going to? What are you going to say? I was going to say, can they have a challenge on Drag yes! Race for their audience? <laughs> I was like, give me a Chialo challenge on Drag Race. They have, like, that is just so, it's it's perfect for Drag Race. It really is. Of course, none of these young people would, would know anything about it. Like, I don't think any of the queens would, would get it. They're like, what is Chialo? But maybe. That's my that's my angry gay silence. Yeah. So Bird with the Crystal Plumage, Dario Argento's first feature film, Debut correct? film. Debut film. Coming out swinging. Also, what the fuck? These people coming out with these amazing debut films. Like, hi, I'm just a genius. <laughs> what the hell? That's not fair. No. Um, but Terry, Barry, Barry, <laughs> but and Terry at the same time, Barry. Uh, so Terry, what is this movie about? Uh, this is about an American in Rome who witnesses shocking. <laughs> very shocking <laughs> an attempted murder in this most fabulous way of having a gallery with two entrances like there's an entrance from the outside and then there's an entrance from the outside into the actual thing that he gets stuck between <laughs> this glass entrance entryway and watches as what he thinks is a woman getting attacked by a, a man in like dressed all in black and as one does in a giallo he decides to investigate on his own <laughs> his job to find the killer and all the while his beautiful girlfriend is like you should probably just stop doing this <laughs> can we just go back to america and just have can, sex like, we just go home and fuck and i'm like i get it <laughs> which i listen if i were dating tony musante i would also be saying can we just not get out of bed because he gives me italian chris sarandon vibes Ooh, yes that's such a good comparison and i'm here for it yes 
I just need to say that the first note I have is the line when they bring in the uh, the people and he says, bring in the perverts. <laughs> yes. That's my first note because I was dying. And then uh, this is so interesting. They had a tra- there was a, a trans woman. Yeah. Who comes out and like, oh, she's not a pervert. <laughs> she should she be with the other the, group. Yeah. And of course, the, they say transvestites because of the time yeah. period that's is at. But and then she's like, that's where I belong. It's, <laughs> it's like very interesting that when like Giallo has those moments, because what was the one with the um, deep the trans- red? Deep was, red. That's right. Yeah. It's like interesting moments of looking at trans characters, but not really interrogating them enough to feel like it's worth talking about a ton, but it's interesting how they're there. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like this particular situation is, is casting judgment on the character either. It's like, no, exactly. You shouldn't be here. You're not a pervert. I think is, is how I took this. And that's for the seventies because this came out in 1970. So it was filmed in like, you know, the late sixties, the fact that, wow there's a trans character and this is their interaction is actually somewhat quietly refreshing. I would say. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I was very glad there. He was like, you're not a pervert, which was again, I was like, Oh, huh. That is really cool. And forward, exactly forward thinking. So that was the part that really stuck out to me with that. But in general, Hmm. This movie I mean, you can see a lot of where he gets his style from, I think, in this film. Yeah. I really appreciated the mix of music and the importance of music in this film because he's he's going out mm-hmm. and it's not with his with his known, you know, composers of like the the goblin or goblin is it goblin? It's just goblin, I believe. I think in one yeah, thing they call him the goblin. <laughs> in one just of the the single goblin. Right. But it's it's not with, with them, it's with um Ennio Morricone. But like the the use of music in this is you can really see where he's going to go in the future, I think. Yes. Oh, yeah. I wrote down like the creepy la la la's in the background. Uh Those were so well. Like the music is absolutely like he is a master of having a really good score and working with great musicians for these scores of his films. Yeah. And you also can see the sort of uh, the bright bursts of colors, particularly reds that he uses in in his films Mm -hmm. like that's and some of the the plots areas you can see where it sort of started like the a civilian caught up in the murder the malleability of memory with that aha moment where it's like no what i saw was actually wrong that kind of thing yeah and then what i loved is at the end we get what we have seen in a a lot of i don't think we've necessarily seen it in a dario film but we've seen it in a couple giallo films where the detective is basically spelling out the plot just in case you were confused it's like we're ending on well this is exactly what happened i'm gonna tell you everything so that we can leave the audience knowing oh yeah (laughs) i actually well i don't i guess we shouldn't spoil the ending but i had a lot of a lot of feelings about the ending and the explanation of the ending but we can talk about that offline but yeah this is like okay so it's definitely a new, like a like early Argento, but I still really enjoyed, especially enjoyed it in the way that like it's just fucking nuts with the painting, the painting of the guy stabbing the girl. Yeah, just like hanging up in the office, <laughs> whatever. But yeah, <laughs> I I enjoyed it. It hasn't. It wasn't my favorite one that we've watched, but it's also really, I think, really important to see where Argento started and, like you said, where he got his um 
where he started cutting his teeth on some of the things that he's really well known for. So I'm glad that we chose to to watch this one. This is the second time I've seen this, and I I watched it the first time I bought the the beautiful oh the beautiful era really arrow yeah uh, that's the one I have yeah I think it's a really pretty cover it's, yeah it's arrow I just see the cover right there yep it's arrow so I have that and it's it's really beautiful and I remember watching it and. At that point, I hadn't watched a whole lot of Giallo, and I was like, oh, I'm digging this. This is really kind of cool. I think once we've seen other, especially other Argento um, films like Deep Red and, mm-hmm. and Tenebrae to a lesser extent, but I think this one is not as uh, good, maybe, as those. But you can definitely see it as being that sort of prototypical film that kind of spawns an entire subgenre. I believe that... If I'm if I'm not mistaken, I believe that this film is the one that popularized it. It wasn't oh, the very first okay. Giallo, but I believe it's the one that kind of popularized it. Cool. Okay, that makes sense. But also, like the fact that this is his first movie, like it's yeah. it's a master it's a masterpiece compared to most people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Also, I one comment that I, I one note I did take down that really kind of confused me was there's a scene where they it's after their. Uh, Tony Musante and his girlfriend have had sex and there is a metronome in the back that's just going. And I'm like, were they, were they fucking in time to the metronome? I did not even see that. Cause it's oh, like playing behind God. them. And it's just like, talk, talk, talk. You ever just, you ever just fuck, fuck to, to a rhythm metronome. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Steady beat. Keep, not my tempo. <laughs> It's kind of hard to to build to a crescendo if you're just sticking to one <laughs> kind of beat, isn't it? But I mean, maybe. Sorry. <laughs> and on that note, uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, on that note, y'all. Uh, that's been little cut. That's been little cuts. And that um, was uh, the the bird with the crystal plumage. That was the girl with the the, the, the girl with the dragon <laughs> tattoo. Jesus. Christ. You know, I actually almost wrote that down when when I was writing notes. I was like, oh, I wonder if this is sort of like where that that kind of trend is continuing from with with that series in particular, because that's that series sort of kind of in some ways is reminiscent of sort of like Italian giallos in a way. Oh and wow. I'm Huh. If that's intentional. I'm wondering where like those kind of titles began, like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, like that type of descriptor yeah. title. I'm wondering how that huh. started now. But Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh. Huh. Anyway. <laughs> before we wrap up, Terry. Yeah. Who are we talking to on Monday? Who are we talking to on Monday? We are talking with Carly Boone, who is the one of the co-founders of Monstrous Femme Films, and Woo. we're talking about the short film that she co-directed called Camp Calypso, and she brings with her a fucking spider movie, because of course we have to have another <laughs> spider movie, but it is actually <laughs> Eight-Legged Freaks, and it is a whole lot of fun, and we had a great, hilarious conversation, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. It's so fun, and... Uh, spoiler alert, we're going to have also Hannah and Emma from Monstrous Femme Films on, so we get to hear from the glorious trio yeah. who has co-founded this collective of amazing femme and non-binary um, filmmakers. And the choices they've all brought are so fantastic, and <sighs> yes. I cannot wait. Those will be probably in March, but 
you have stuff to look forward to. It's going to be fantastic. Yes, 100%. But then for Little Cuts next week, what are we watching, Mary Beth? We are watching The Sixth Wrong Turn. Oh, almost, God, done. almost done. Praise Jesus. So we're watching The Sixth Wrong Turn. After that, we will be talking about the new Wrong Turn movie. Yeah. So we have now, we will have done all seven of them. And oh. then I will never have to watch another <laughs> fucking Wrong Turn movie again. <laughs> and then continuing with our Dario's uh, Animal Trilogy, we are going to watch The Cat O' Nine Tales yeah, as part of are. our Giello journey. So... Those two things are coming up, back on our bullshit, very excited, ready for Wrong Turn to be over so I can stop watching those movies. Though I'm glad I watched them, I will say. It's nice to have that somewhere in my brain. I don't know if I'll ever use it again, but it's there. It is there. (laughs) Um, Okay, but listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Have you watched something that we talked about and have some thoughts? Do you have suggestions for movies that we can talk about? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm a Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. <laughs> Thank you to everyone for listening. Stay safe out there. <laughs> but most importantly... Stay creepy and you can't see my hand movements because this is an audio this is an audio format. <laughs> and until next time. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. 
Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in the briefing room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.